Hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Lunch with PB&J, day 11, now officially... Over halfway. Over halfway to the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Hope everybody's doing well. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I had something else I was going to say, and I can't remember what it was. Hey, we, we found something out tonight. Stop it. You don't want me to? Okay. <laughs> I was going to get some I was gonna get some opinions, but Joy okay. doesn't want me to say Let's it. Spell it. So I discovered a new word tonight that <laughs> apparently everybody in my family pronounces differently than me. And uh, I went around, I asked everybody, that little animal that is spiky and has quills that shoots at you, what do you call that? And I'm not going to say anything right off the bat, because I want you to say the word in your mind, all right? Or say it out loud so you can hear it. And uh, how's it sound to you? Okay, excellent. So the name of that animal is a... Porcupine. <laughs> He's so mean to me. Why is he so Jesus. mean to me? My entire family calls it a porcupine <laughs> and not a porcupine. Porcupine. It's a porcupine. It's, it's a porcupine. It's not a porcupine. Anyway, I feel better now. I got to make fun of her because she's so awesome <laughs> and I can't pronounce words in the Bible. So yes. I just want to know, is it a Southern thing or is it just a me thing? I don't know. See, this is what happens when you homeschool as well, <laughs> is that the teacher teaches the kids how he, to say words. He asked all of them what it was. And, and so every said. single one of my kids said porcupine, porcupine. <laughs> Anyway, we better get started. So, uh, before we begin, we're on Acts chapter 15 today, and uh, I want to give you a little bit of context. It's kind of the overview. I just want to kind of tell you what the chapter is going to be about if you haven't already read it yet. Uh, I want to tell you what it's going to be about, and then we'll we'll jump into it, but it kind of gives you a picture so that you can see it being developed as we go. And um, so what's happening is there's a controversy, as, as, as we keep seeing, there was a lot of issues and problems. They were working through some stuff in that early church. And the controversy was around new believers and whether or not they really needed to uh, follow all of the Jewish customs and regulations. So things like um, being circumcised. So it was this thing of if you were a Gentile, Gentiles weren't uh, circumcised. However, it was a Jewish custom and and part of the um, Jewish religion. And so uh, there was a discussion of if these Gentiles are getting saved, do they also they also should have to get circumcised. They should have to conform to uh, dietary restrictions mm -hmm. and just some different things like that. Follow the law of Moses and and the Jewish law and all of those things. And so the apostles were looking to figure out a way to end this disunity because it was really creating a lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. And um, so they call a meeting. They really handled it well, like the, the apostles, the leaders, and even those that were in leadership in the churches in different areas mm -hmm. said, hey, we, we just need an answer to this because it's obvious the church is growing. There are both Jewish believers, yeah. Gentile believers. We need an answer to this. And so they, they have this big meeting and all the elders and the apostles come together. Peter, Paul, James, they come in. They speak about how they're seeing um, God move and, and, and bring salvation to the Gentiles with that confirmation of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. so they're, they're explaining to everybody exactly what's going on. And that it's happening simply through faith in Jesus. So this is kind of, I say it this way sometimes, is they, they uh, 
they were teaching, the apostles were teaching that it's Jesus. Salvation comes through Jesus, period. Believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and there were certain ones in the Jewish um, community, and, and we'll talk about it more as we go through here. They were called Judaizers, and they really believed that it was Jesus and. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus and is you need to believe in Jesus and you need to conform to all the old religious rules and laws and customs and, and things like that as yeah. well. And so um, the apostles, though, and Peter, James, Paul, that were out there preaching and seeing all this happen, they agreed that the Gentiles didn't need to be to identify as Jewish in terms of following the customs. However, there did need to be some things um, that, that did need to be taught. And so that's kind of what this whole chapter is about. And I just felt like we needed to kind of give a little overview as we go. So, uh, let's jump into it. All right. Verse one, while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So this is what was happening. Uh, one thing I want you to note here, okay, is that the uh, these men from Judea were coming and teaching. It does not say anywhere in that verse that they were sent. Right. Remember how we talked about that yesterday? Is that uh, Paul that is. and Barnabas were called by God and sent out by the church. Right. These men that were sowing cords of disunity mm -hmm. uh, were not called and not sent out by the church. Yeah. And what do you get? You get conflict. Right. All right. So that we see that right off the bat. So Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing, arguing vehemently. I've never heard that word in my life today, and I read it today in the Bible, and I read it today in a book. Porcupine. <laughs> Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Porcupine. I'm just going to start saying Porcupine every time I can't pronounce a word. <laughs> Uh, along the way in right Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. <laughs> they told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So here is the group of guys that were going out and preaching this, okay? Yeah. They were going around to the new churches, to the new believers and saying they must be circumcised. What it was is there's this group of guys um, who belong to the sect or the the group of Pharisees. Now, if you uh, are familiar at all with the New Testament, you know that the Pharisees were part of the religious leadership uh, under the Jewish under the Jewish religion. They were a large part of the people that were constantly in conflict and opposition to Jesus. Yeah. Um, so what you have here, these were these were also men that were incredibly educated mm -hmm. in the Jewish law. Yeah. Okay. And so it would have been ingrained and indoctrinated into them. Mm -hmm. um, and so while they had come to be, note this, I, I made a note of this, is that Luke here who writes the book of Acts, he specifically calls them some of the believers. Uh -huh. So they were believers in Jesus. Right. 
all right? They were believers in Jesus. It was, but it was like they just couldn't shake that that the law, the old. And how way. many people do we know who become believers but just can't shake the old life yeah. that they knew? Yeah. And so it, it really, or the preconceived notions of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what you see here is there is a preconceived notion of how you came to be right with God. And they were right under the old covenant. Yeah. Under the old law, under the old covenant before <laughs> Jesus, that there were certain things that you had to do mm-hmm. to become, to come into the Jewish faith. But now there was a new covenant, a new promise. It was a new day because of Jesus. Yeah. And so it was Jesus period, not Jesus and. And so you do, you still see this today where people um, believe in Jesus, they come into the faith, uh, and yet they're still saddled by some of the old things. And sometimes it's, you know, maybe they came out of a different faith. Mm -hmm. Um, I've even seen it, you know, in people that come out of Catholicism Mm -hmm. that, you know, I I believe, listen, I believe that you can be Catholic and be a born again Christian, Mm -hmm. okay, and believe in Jesus. But there's a lot. There's a lot of things within the Catholic Church, even that uh, that don't line up with the Word of God, you know. And so, in in terms of customs and, yeah. and things like that, like and so, there's a lot of people that come out of the Catholic Church that are still weighed down mm-hmm. by some of the symbolism and some of the ceremonies and some of the religiosity Mm -hmm. that is found in the Catholic Church. And it's not just in the Catholic Church. It's in the Pentecostal Church. It's in the Baptist Church. It's in every church. There's an element of that. And so the apostles were really trying to establish this idea that we are saved because of Jesus. We call that legalism. If you've ever heard that word, that's what that means. All right. Yes. And so uh, we're trying to crush this bad doctrine that Mm -hmm. was causing disunity in the church. Okay. So verse six. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue at the meeting. After a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as followers. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe God knows people's (laughs) hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. Not circumcision. Not circumcision. So why are we now challenging God? Do you get that? Yeah. When we start imposing man-made laws, Mm -hmm. when we start imposing uh, our beliefs, you know, which are not grounded in yeah. the, the word and the promises of God. And I understand that those things were grounded in the word. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were the old Testament, but there was a new Jesus had said, Jesus said, I didn't come to, um, to abolish the, abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. He mm-hmm. came, all these things were in place for a reason. Right. However, Jesus came and really broke a lot of that mm-hmm. um, because he he fulfilled so much of it. Yeah. Okay, and so he uh, we got kids coming in now. Go away! <laughs> All right, uh, shh, don't tell anyone. We told them that. Okay, but and so it was it was this. He 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 comes in. He says, "Listen, if you are going to um, impose this on people, then you got to understand that you're challenging God. Mm-hmm. You're challenging God. Okay. So he goes on. So why are, why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we 
nor our ancestors were able to bear. Yeah. We believe that we are all saved by the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, see, there was the Ten Commandments, all right? That was the law of Moses. He had the Ten Commandments. And then there was, from that time to New Testament days, there were, were over 600 laws that were added in mm -hmm. by, by the religious leaders and stuff like that. And they were, they were followed to the best of people's abilities, but mm -hmm. come on. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was impossible. It was yeah. literally impossible. And that's what is happening here when Peter stands up and he begins to speak is he's going, listen, you are trying to burden these new Christians, mm -hmm. these new believers. You're trying to burden them with laws that we couldn't keep. Yeah. People that were raised in it. And not only us, but our ancestors. Mm -hmm. Go back as far as you want to. Nobody has ever been able to keep all of this, all of these laws, which was why Jesus had to come in the first place, mm -hmm. was so that he could pay that price once and for all. And now we are saved by grace, mm -hmm. not by action, not by keeping the rules, so to speak. And so he says he was really coming to, to break the yoke of bondage mm -hmm. that came from living under that old law. Yeah. So Jesus came, what we see again is that is that Jesus came and paid that final price. And so understand that that old law was meant to point out the need for repentance. That was always the point of the law. It was always it was always a, if you can imagine like a, a like a pasture with a bunch of cows or sheep since we're called sheep in the bible all right a bunch of sheep in there what'd you say a bunch of porcupines um grazing out in the field and there's a fence around them why the fence is around them to keep them where they're supposed to be mm -hmm. right and that's what the laws were meant to be they were meant to be barriers they were meant to be these guidelines to 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 remind believers and followers of god where they were supposed to be, mm -hmm. um, to, to be in relation with God. But when Jesus came, he said, listen, I'm, I'm going to, and they were always there to point out that need for repentance, but now the Holy Spirit comes into the scene. He's there, and it was always to point them to return to God. And so it's just, it's a whole new day, mm -hmm. but they were trying to keep them under that old law. Yeah. Got anything to add there? No? Keep mm -hmm. going? All right. Everyone listen quietly as Barnabas and Paul Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take them from a, pe from a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted as it is written, Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. Mm -hmm. So again, we see here that it was talked about in the Old Testament. Yeah. Talking about in the Old Testament that the Gentiles would become mm -hmm. believers. When I, when I read that, just uh, the beginning part where... You know, Peter talks about it. Paul talks about what happened in his experience. Mm -hmm. It made me see like, okay, Peter and Paul and Barnabas, they, they spoke to the people and they're giving, uh, they're, they're kind of pointing them in the right direction based off their own experience with the Holy Spirit. And you always talk about like, you know, share your experiences right. with people. 
Uh, and then we see that James points people to the truth through Scripture. Mm-hmm. But what you notice is those two things, you know, Peter and Barnabas and Paul, their experiences, and James, the Scripture, what you see is they don't contradict each other. Right. And I think about that with our lives of um, there's going to be times and moments where we're able to share truth with somebody based off of our experience mm-hmm. that we've had with God and through maybe something the Holy Spirit is showing us and telling us. And then there's times where we're going to be able to point people to truth because of the Bible. Yeah. But the main thing you're looking for there is that they line up. Right. Like that's how we knew that what Peter and Barnabas and Paul were saying was true is because it lined up with God's Word. Right. So I thought that was cool that you see both things there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. So he goes on in verse 19 and he says, And so my judgment, he finishes up his big speech here. He says, And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on the Sabbath for many generations. Mm -hmm. So... Here's, here's what was happening, okay? I'm gonna, I know I summarized in the beginning. I'm gonna summarize again at the end here, all right? Is there was basically three groups of, uh, of people that were taking place here. And so in my commentary, it kind of lays it out here in my study Bible. It says, you know, the group one were the Judaizers, all right? These were Gentiles. Uh, they believe this, that Gentiles must become Jewish first to be eligible for salvation, mm-hmm. all right? And these Judaizers were made up mainly of uh, believers that were a part of the Pharisees, right. but there was also some other Jewish believers that believed the same way. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, you know, they were probably following the Pharisees very, very devout, closely before, probably, yeah. very devout. And so they just kind of kept on in that belief. Uh, then there were the Gentile Christians that were took the stance of faith in Christ as Savior is the only requirement for salvation. All right, so faith alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was what Peter and James were talking about right here, Mm -hmm. all right? And this is what Peter and James were standing there saying, is that faith is the only requirement, but there must be evidence of change by rejecting the old lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know what, guys, there's a little bit of both here. In other words, works, which is what the Judaizers wanted, works is not what gets you saved. Faith, which the Gentile believers believe, faith is absolutely what gets you saved, but once you give your life over to Jesus, it should reflect in a change in yeah. your lifestyle, a change in the way that you live. And so because of that, they said, we need to lay out, there are certain things that we believe they need to focus mm-hmm. on, they need to know about once they become saved to really uh, kind of lead them into that right. new life in Jesus. It's to almost become like they're holy. setting them up for success. Yes, you know, they're yeah. saying, okay, this is not what saves you. Faith in Jesus is what Absolutely, saves you. Absolutely, yeah. But what they're doing is they're giving them something that's going to be a benefit to them mm-hmm. and give them success in their walk with God. Absolutely. And it's these things that we, we have to remove. You know, when we all give our lives to Jesus, there are things that are in our lives mm-hmm. that we have that really need to come out because there are things that are in our lives that lead us back into yeah. a life of sin and will ultimately lead us away from God. And can I just make a point, too, because... We might be reading this going, well, what's the big deal with the blood and 
<laughs> like consuming blood and all this. You have to understand what was going on right there in that culture. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been them really mixing themselves with pagan um, practices. Yes. So that's why, you know, because again, I don't think any of us are out there drinking blood, but it's this thing of like, we have to see what what was dangerous at that time mm-hmm. that they were partnering with. Well, and what's what's interesting is is that actually goes all the way back to the Old Testament. So this this particular um, uh, command from God to not eat the meat of a strangled animal or mm. consume blood it actually goes back to Noah hmm. uh, to where before the flood, this is probably a little known fact. We're going to get a little Bible nerdy <laughs> on you for a second. Okay. This is probably a little known fact, but up until the flood or after the flood, um, man didn't eat meat. Hmm. They, they weren't, it was part of, because animals were created as part of God's creation, mm-hmm. all this stuff. He provided food for them, but it was crops. They basically ate a vegan diet. Trevor mm-hmm. would have like been awesome. He would have been all, and Sandra, you guys would have had it made. Okay. Um, but after the flood, if you go back to, um, Genesis, I wrote it down here somewhere. If you go back to, uh, Genesis, I can't find it. I wrote it down. Genesis 9. So if you go back to Genesis 9, it's an important verse for us meat eaters. All right. If you go back to Genesis 9, you'll read where God gives them, basically he gives them permission to eat the animals. Uh, But one of the things that he says is not to, because this was the thing, God taught, God taught, okay, not man, God taught that life was in the blood. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it became, it got more and more strict as it went on, or I shouldn't even say strict. It got more and more defined as it went on. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of what is a strangled animal? Like mm-hmm. when the first time I read that and you kind of gloss over it, you're like, are guys out there like just putting animals, <laughs> putting, jumping on a cow, putting it in a chokehold, choking them out until he dies. And so the reason though really was, it was because there was also another law that was in place that said if an animal died of its own causes. Yeah. So in other words, if an animal was naturally killed, if it got, I don't think they had roadkill back then. I don't think the, the carts moved fast enough to run over something. Anyway, but if that happened, they still weren't supposed to eat of that animal. And the reason is basically is this, is an animal needed to be bled out. Mm-hmm. And so that blood wasn't contained so that they weren't eating because life was, and I, when I read this, I thought, you know, you think about today, and I know you said, you know, people don't drink blood. Now, there are some religions, occults, and things right. like that, that they do believe in that. But, like, we watch a lot of um, uh, these shows where people go off to survive in the wilderness somewhere. I don't know why we like them, but we're like, we're going to go live off the land and, and hunt our own food. And we think we could do it is and, the funny uh, part. Listen, I'm telling you, I could choke <laughs> out a moose like that, okay? Look at these guns, all right? And show me. All right. Um, but... Like we watch a lot of these shows and there's a lot of people on there that, that, you know, they'll go and they'll kill an animal. They'll thank the animal. There's, I've seen some guys that they'll, they'll take a, they'll literally take a bite out of the heart. I mean, they'll kill an animal, cut it open, take the heart out, take a bite of it. And they go through and they talk about how they believe in a transfer of spirits and the, the, the life of the animal was given. And so this is a way of, and like, this is a part of, you talk about you know, what was going on then, this mm-hmm. is still, it still bleeds yeah. into our culture yeah. and into the belief system of even today. And so it really was a command that, but what was interesting, the main thing is that it goes back beyond the law of Moses. And it really was something that was deeply ingrained. Now mm-hmm. the sexual immorality, absolutely. 
Uh, there was all kinds of weird sexual practices that went on around pagan worship and mm-hmm. idol worship. Uh, I mean, they if you read somewhere in the Bible, you'll read about temple prostitutes. Yeah. Uh, so it was all a part of the, the Gentile religions, the Greek religions, and different ones like that as well. So that was definitely all a part of it. It mm-hmm. was definitely you need to cut off mm-hmm. from what's happening, cut off from your old. So the same way that they were saying these Pharisee Judaizers were saying that you need to continue to operate in our religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some, and you see it in some of Paul's letters to some of the other churches, especially the Corinthians, where there was still people that were getting saved out of pagan religions that yeah. were bringing some of their practices into right. Christianity. <clears throat> and so these apostles were really taking the middle road of going, mm-hmm. listen, the point is this, is that this is a faith in Jesus and mm-hmm. Jesus alone. Y'all both need to cut off yeah. from your old ways. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so they were really finding a way to bring together a, a group of very, very diverse people again mm-hmm. in this church, as we've been talking about. And so Jews and Gentiles had completely different histories, traditions, cultures, customs, languages. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like our world today a little bit. Yeah. And it's like the church and the rest of the world is still struggling to figure out how to bring it all together. So what was the solution and what is the solution? Some people would say segregate, right? Like just keep them separate. Mm-hmm. And that that's what some of the people thought back then. It's what some people still think today. Um, but it, it's just to ha- kind of have this decision to decide that it's impossible to bring all these different cultures together. So how about we just isolate and we'll keep our distance, you know? And then the other is to just submit our prejudice to God mm-hmm. and recognize, okay, we do have differences. Mm-hmm. We, we might look different. We might come from different backgrounds, but in order to become like God, we have to become like God. Mm-hmm. And that means that we are tolerant and understanding and accepting of everybody, but understand same thing is with what you read when you understand the word of God, when you understand God's character, is that tolerant doesn't mean tolerating sinful actions. Yeah. And so James lays out here some areas that he felt like um, the, the new Christians needed to focus on. So again, it was kind of a um, directed towards the Jewish leaders, the, the, the Pharisees, to say, hey, y'all need to back off. Mm-hmm. But then also towards the Gentiles to yeah. say, hey, y'all got y'all to gotta yeah. have a change of heart yeah. and a change of lifestyle. You got to get a lot. Let God change you from it the is, inside It is, isn't it? It's like he is um, telling one group, stop being a burden. Yeah. And then the other group, hey, guys, there's some things you need to abstain from. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a that. new life. It's mm-hmm. a new life in Jesus. Let's keep going. <laughs> then the apostles and elders together with the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. Now notice a decision was made and what happened? The leaders sent out right. people. <clears throat> that shows they you there's them order yeah. in how God wants to do things. Yeah. It's important that there is an order yeah. in church. Okay. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas uh, also called Barsabbas and Silas. This is the letter they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. <laughs> so we decided, having come to complete agreement, 
to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Hmm. Farewell. <laughs> and mess- all the Gentiles were like, I got to go get circumcised. <laughs> all right. The messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. They stayed for a while, and then the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They... And many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. Mm-hmm. So I just underlined that because it wasn't just the apostles again. Yeah. It was they and many others mm-hmm. went out and preached the word of the Lord. Uh, verse 36. After some time, Paul and Barnabas, or Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. Remember, we talked about John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them and Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. That they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Mm-hmm. That, when I read that first through the first time, it made me realize too. Just and we know this, but sometimes again we read the Bible and we think somehow the Bible, all these stories are different than our lives. And mm-hmm. and so again, these actually brings me kind of some comfort to read stories like this because it makes you realize, okay, that was happening then too. But. Um, you know, we're going to have conflict. We're going to have conflict with each other once in a while, and we're going to have conflict even within the church. And what it, what this kind of shows me as an example is it doesn't say, you know, they had a conflict and, you know, Barnabas gossiped about Paul and, you know, or yeah. Paul took a swung at, you know, punched Barnabas. It was this thing of like, it made made it sound serious, but at the same time, I think what's important is that we don't react and sin mm-hmm. when there's conflict, you know, and even within a marriage, right? We've had conflict, we've had arguments, we've had things. And and the thing is, even if you're having a disagreement, it's so important to let God and the Holy Spirit guide your heart that you yeah. don't sin in that process. Because if you don't sin when you have a conflict, then it leaves God room to restore. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to see later, I don't want to be a spoiler, but I mean, there's a restoration in their relationship yeah. eventually. Yeah. Um, but I believe it's a restoration because they left room for God to do that. Right. But when we get angry at someone and we have conflict and we get angry and we lash out and we do things we know we're not supposed to do, like you're, you're burning bridges yeah. and not just you're burning bridges within the church. Mm-hmm. And that, that's like, think about how much that must make God sad that, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, that that happens within the church. It doesn't, doesn't have to happen that way. So, yeah. um, I actually was encouraged to read that because I think that even though it wasn't perfect, what you're seeing is that God restored it and it mm-hmm. can happen that way. So often we just think, well, I'm going to write that person off and, you know, or I'm going to do something bad to them because they made me angry. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it, it shows, you know, that when it comes to things like this, so when it comes to, you know, they were going out on another trip, they're going to yeah. go out on another missionary journey. Um, you know, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark. Paul's like, man, listen, last time, last time we did that, dude took off on us. I, I, I just don't think that we should bring him. It doesn't, it doesn't show that Paul was angry at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Barnabas is like, no, I really think we need to bring Mark. Paul's mm-hmm. like, no, man, I just, I don't think, I just, I'm not sure about this mm-hmm. guy. I'm not sure about this cat anymore. You know, this joker just took off on us and I'm not sure. Like, I'm just imagining if the conversation was today. Yeah. Um, and so they, they agreed to disagree, mm-hmm. which just seems like such a foreign concept today that people, we can actually agree to disagree and continue to go to church with each other, yeah. continue to do ministry. Yeah. Um, they didn't you know, stop and serving so God. They separated. Mm-hmm. Yes, they separated. Was it the ideal situation? No. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there is a, a reconciling. If you look in Colossians 4, you see where Mark actually became vital to Paul's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was definitely room there. What I think is interesting is so... Barnabas stands his ground and says, listen, I think Mark's, I think Mark's the dude. Like, mm-hmm. I think he needs, he, this is, kid's got potential, all right, is kind of the way I see it. And he stands his ground. He says, listen, I'm going to take Mark with me and I'm going to go this way. Why don't you take somebody, you go see the other churches and we'll meet up at the end and we'll see how things go. Mm-hmm. Now, Joy pointed out yesterday, Barnabas's name means encourager. Mm-hmm. I I read that today and I thought, is it possible that what Mark needed was just somebody to mentor him? Yeah. Somebody to take him under his wing. You know, when I read this today, I thought about, you know, church we were at uh, previously. I had this uh, guy that I worked with for a little while who uh, felt called to ministry. Uh, He was a young guy. He felt called to ministry. And so I kind of took him under my wing. I started a mentor. I had started a mentorship program in the church. And uh, so I started mentoring him, which was basically, man, just follow me around and we got together we we met we talked a lot uh when i went to start a campus he came with me and um and you know there was a there was a lot of i remember there was a a a little period of time where because he was so inexperienced Mm -hmm. like he kind of rubbed people the wrong way a little bit Mm -hmm. and there were some people that just thought man this guy's got no potential whatsoever in ministry and i know he went through a period of time where he struggled uh just knowing if he he had a future or not Mm -hmm. And I just kept, I just kept believing and, and praying and, and I kept encouraging him. And man, today his ministry has taken off mm-hmm. to new levels, like unbelievable. The same people that said before, man, I'm not sure about this guy actually started working with him and he started working yeah. for them and they were doing ministry together. And I just saw it as kind of this is sometimes it's the right people at the right time mm-hmm. in the right place. It also shows that sometimes we just need to be encouragers. Yeah. Uh, we need to open up our eyes to, to people that need to be encouraged and mentored and kind of taken under their wing where maybe they weren't right in that season, but maybe they, they just need to be developed and yeah. encouraged a little bit. And so I encourage you again, as we've kind of been saying, just don't ever write anybody 
off yeah. and don't ever write yourself off either yeah. but maybe you just need to find somebody that will take you under their wing and mentor you and, and and raise you up to where god is calling you to go in your life so and then also just remember we man we can agree to disagree about yeah, some stuff it's gonna happen sometimes all right another thing too like i got this from my commentary but it made the point that god can work even in the middle of a situation that's not perfect in a conflict mm-hmm. like that. Because what happened is you had two missionary journeys happening. Yeah. And so it's like, God can use those things if and we give it, it to him. And that's it. If we will operate in love, if yeah. we will operate in our calling and our giftings, if we will continue to do that, agree to disagree on things that are not, yeah. um, you know, that don't break <laughs> the word of God, if we will agree to disagree on, on non-doctrinal issues, so to speak, um, Man, God's God's work can continue to go, but when we let disunity come mm-hmm. in, um, man, it will destroy a church from top to bottom, bottom yeah. to top. All right, it will absolutely destroy the church, and that's what the devil tries to do, and that's what the, the he tries to separate us. Mm-hmm. He tries to break it up. There is there you see this through there. The word of God, the message of the gospel was steamrolling through every place that it mm-hmm. went. And the devil was just trying everything he could yeah. to sow disunity, uh, to show hate, uh, so hatred and jealousy and all these different things coming from every different direction. Mm-hmm. The devil's never going to attack in one way. He's going to come from all different mm-hmm. angles. And so that's why we have to be aware and be prepared. And most importantly, we got to join together. Yeah. And we got to be on the same page. And so we got to let old life go. Let the new life take over and walk with Jesus. Yeah. It's good. Amen. All right, porcupine. <laughs> let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, we thank you so much, God, for your word. We thank you. Uh, I, I just pray that as we've gone through these these last 11 days, that, that Lord, your word would come alive to people, that, yes, that truth Jesus. would come alive to people. Lord, I pray today for those that are watching that, God, maybe they're hanging on to some of their old life. Maybe they're hanging on to some of their old habits, hanging on to some of their old beliefs mm-hmm. even. And God, they're, 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 maybe they're, they're wrestling with, they have a mentality of what they have to do to be right with you. When Jesus, you're saying, listen, I just need you to believe in me, but you got to cut off that old life. You got to cut off those old things that, yeah. that pull you away from me, that stop you from being the person that I've called you to be. So you got to cut those things away and walk in this new life. Yeah this new life that I have for you. This is why the word of God says, when we follow Jesus, when we accept him into our lives, when we are forgiven of our sins, it says that old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It is a new life in Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would break off in our minds and in our hearts any old things that we have attached, God, any old understandings, any old ways of thinking, God, break them off. Even if it, when it comes to church, God, I pray that you would break us of old things and traditions that are just, have become exactly that, traditions. 
God, it's not even that there's anything wrong with them. It's that they're traditional for the sake of being tradition. Mm -hmm. God, but also on the other side of it, God, let us not walk so far into grace that we feel like we can get away with doing anything that we want as long as we say we believe in Jesus. God, bring us to that middle road Mm -hmm. where we believe and we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, but we are also open to the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit that pushes us to become more and more like Jesus, not Mm -hmm. like the world. We will not save the world by being like the world. We will save the world. We will bring the message of Jesus. We can't save them. I know that. But God, we will bring the message of hope and salvation to the world because of the way that we live. They will see a difference in us, a difference. God, we must be different so that they can see it in us. So God, help us, mm-hmm. encourage us. Lord, I pray that we come against the spirit of disunity yes, in our church, in yes, our families, Jesus. God. We break that spirit of disunity. Yes. Unite us together as one because we are stronger when we are together. Yes, Jesus. So God, in those areas that are not doctrinal, that don't shake our faith, mm-hmm. God, help us, allow us to, to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. God, uh, encourage, help us to be encouragers. Yeah. Help us to, to be mentors. Yeah. Help us to raise up the next generation of leaders to yes. take people under our wings, yes. God, to, to, to disciple and, and mentor and lead and guide under the direction of the Holy Spirit yes, in us. Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you for bringing us together. Yes. God, continue to connect us even during this time of yes, distance Jesus. and separation. Yes, God, knit our hearts together. Help us to connect with one another somehow, some mm-hmm. way, so that we do not become isolated and distant and alone. Yes but that, God, we would know that we are connected in the body of Christ. Yes, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great remainder of the week, and we will see you tomorrow for lunch with PB&J. Porcupine.